so let's work backwards. We, we got Taco Tuesday, Dollar Dog Wednesday, Thirsty Thursday. We got Footlong Friday. You got Sunday, Saturday, right? Eat Sundays on a Saturday. And then you got tuna, everyone's favorite tuna Sunday. I think Monday, Monday is Mailbag, Monday is Mailbag Monday. Welcome to Mailbag Monday on Locked On Socks. You are Locked On White Sox, your daily Chicago White Sox podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome into Locked On Socks. I'm your host, Sean Anderson. Thank you for making Locked On White Sox your first listen each and every day. We're free and available on all platforms. We're free and available on Twitter and Instagram at Locked On Socks. And you can follow me on Twitter at Sean underscore W underscore Anderson. Now, I hope you all enjoyed your Tuna Sunday. It is an all-important Monday mailbag here on Locked On Socks. A quick housekeeping note, if you missed Friday's episode, I would love and implore you to go check it out. We had Jordan Lazowski, the editor-in-chief of Socks on 35th, on the show. It was a blast to talk Craig Kimbrell with him. A very insightful talk, and we, you know, we sprinkled in some Dylan Cease talk, some second base and right field talk. Don't worry. We, I mean, it's it's great White Sox conversation. And if you need more to fill your day, maybe you want to avoid the Bears. The Bulls just lost a nine-game losing streak. You can go and listen to Jordan talk about Craig Kimbrell. It was fantastic. Again, I implore you to go check it out. Me and Jordan talking about Craig Kimbrell this past Friday. But on today's show. It's the Monday mailbag. Very important one. And I just got to say, most responses so far while I've been host. So thank you for keeping those coming. You can call in 312-566-8727, or you can write in at LockdownSocks at gmail.com. So with all of that out of the way, without further ado, we go out to Mark in the Park. Hey, Sean, Mark in Litchfield Park. My dog, Fred, thanks you. You're welcome. For including him in your podcast. You kind of um, did. His name is Fred after Fred Sanford because we found him under a junk trailer abandoned. So Aww. thanks. Read the Kimbrell article. I'm not surprised. I think the guy's been inconsistent for years. You could put the blame wherever you wanted. He's still inconsistent. And I think it's Han's job to know that and possibly see that coming. But whatever. Uh, it didn't happen. And uh, here we are. Maybe it'll get better this year because uh, I don't know where he's going to get dealt. If he gets dealt, I'm not seeing it. I don't think they're going to deal him. Shout out to another Fred cameo in the back. Mark, I, I don't mean to be rude here, but I think Fred's becoming my favorite part of your calls. I love hearing Fred, and that's awesome that you saved him from a junkyard. Good on you. You know, adopt, don't shop, but also, you know, maybe shop your local junkyards. And if if you see a dog out there, Maybe you'll find your own Fred. So thank you, Mark, for calling in. And we'll talk about where Craig Kimbrell might end up a little bit later in the show. I got a, I got a prompt from somebody else. But to talk about your points of Kimbrell's inconsistency, I don't know if that's really Rick Hahn's fault. I want to bring in a, something in my life currently. Right now, and this doesn't matter to you because this game's already over. You'll know if I lost my bet or not. But the Raiders are up. On the Chargers, 29 to 22. You might be wondering why this matters, but just play along. If the Raiders and Chargers tie, they both make it to the playoffs. 
If the Chargers win, Chargers go to the playoffs, Raiders fall out. The Raiders win, Raiders go to the playoffs, Chargers fall out. And before John Gruden was fired as the Raiders coach, I thought, hey, I like this Raider team. I like their offense. I like Derek Carr. I'm going to put some money on them. It's something big, $2.50 and plus 100 odds. So basically I, I doubled my money. So, you know, I turned two fifty dollars into, into $5. Nothing crazy. But I've been sweating this bet since October and since the post-John Gruden firing. And I've just been waiting and waiting for the day for this bet to just get out of my sports book app. I'm sick of seeing this haunting Raiders bet just stuck there in my active bets. And again, I know that comparing my small bet to Rick Hahn's trade at the trade deadline is a bit of a stretch, but the reason I think that they're connected is I don't think that Rick or anybody really could have predicted this type of falloff. And I think it's just because of the odd seasons that Craig Kimbrell has had. In 2019, he didn't sign right away. He waited until... The season already started to sign with the Cubs. I don't even think he played his first game until June of 2019. That was a full season. And then 2020 comes around, and there's the pandemic. So I don't know if Rick could have scouted the inconsistencies in Craig Kimbrell in 2020 and 2019 because I don't think there was a large enough sample size. In 2019, he pitched 20 innings. In 2020, he only pitched 15. And then... In 2021, he basically combines that together for the Cubs and pitches 36 great innings. And I think that most people just assumed that, well, now that he had a full offseason, seemed to really click with Tommy Hadovy in 2021, that the Hall of Famer was back. In those 36 innings with the Cubs, he had a .5 ERA. He was shut down. And Rick probably saw that and said, hey, I can shut down the 8th and the ninth with a possible Hall of Famer with Craig Kimbrell and our multi-million dollar closer in Liam Hendricks. I think what he missed, though, was what happened in 2018. And I don't know if I really blame him for missing it. In 2018, Red Sox go to the World Series, and Craig in the back half of 2018 absolutely fell off the table. To put it in perspective, in 2018... He pitched 63 games. In the last 21 games, he gave up 11 of his 19 earned runs that season. In 21 games, he gave up 11 earned runs. And in the playoffs, playoffs, he wasn't that much better. In his first four games in the playoffs that year in 2018, he gave up one earned run, two earned runs, one earned run, one earned run. And then if you remember, he was so bad in Game 4 of the World Series, that in Game 5, they don't go to the Hall of Fame closer. They go to former White Sox, Chris Sale, who strikes out what we all thought at the time was future White Sox, Manny Machado. So I think that Rick obviously deserves the blame for pulling the trigger, but I don't know if he deserves a ton of blame. I just think it was misfortunate. And maybe that sounds like I'm cutting excuses. Whatever. That's fine. I just think that Hans saw the resume, Hans saw the current production in 2021, and pulled the trigger on a possible future Hall of Famer. So while I've been watching this wild ride of a Raiders season and I'm finally waiting for it to end, 
I, I think that Rick might have been in a similar situation. He put down in a bet that at the time I don't think he thought much of. I think he thought that Craig Kimbrell was going to help their team, and hopefully they went and won the World Series with him. And when I placed my bet on the Raiders to make the playoffs, you know, I've been seeing the John Gruden Raiders since 2019, and I thought that they showed a lot of growth over those past three years. And I think that Craig Kimbrell could be my Raiders. Because technically, I mean, I'm still sweating this out. There's, this game isn't over yet. There's 22 seconds left. Rick Hahn is waiting for his clock to start. Because once this lockout ends, that Craig Kimbrell timer starts ticking and ticking and ticking. Once this lockout ends, Rick is going to have to make his move. Does he trust in what he saw in the past three years that Craig Kimbrell did improve? That 2020, those 36 innings, I don't think they're a fluke. You know, closers just don't have seasons where they pitch basically 37 innings and allow two runs. So while there are inconsistencies, you're right, Mark, there is also still a Hall of Fame potential player in there. I'm still convinced of that. And while I'm still waiting for Judgment Day on my bet, Rick Hahn still controls his fate on his bet. He can either double down and bring him back for the next year, or he can trade him, try to get more money, put into a bet, maybe a little parlay, whatever, you know, betting terms, and try to turn this into something fruitful. It's not done yet for Craig Kimbrell. There still needs to be a bookmark put, whether that's, you know, by March or maybe November. We'll see where that bookend is placed with Craig Kimbrell on the White Sox. And hey, I don't think Craig was happy with his 2022. Maybe Craig's sitting there making New Year's resolutions to himself. Maybe he thinks he needs to get fitter, eat healthier, help him go 60 innings in a regular season, be ready for a postseason run. Maybe he's including Built Bar in his plan. Built Bar is the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar, maybe even better than a candy bar. Craig, Built Bar makes it easier to stick to your resolution because it tastes so good, you'll want to eat it. Built Bars are covered in 100% real chocolate, and you compare them to a candy bar. Most Built Bars contain 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, 4 net carbs, and 17 grams of protein. Compare that to a candy bar, which usually has 240 calories, 30 grams of sugar, and a dozen net carbs. And there's so many flavors to choose from. Craig, you can have coconut almond, peanut butter, brownie, raspberry, cookies and cream, salted caramel, mint brownie, and many more. And in fact, Built is always coming out with new limited time flavors. So check out Built.com often to see what's new. So Craig, I'm telling you, go to Built.com, use promo code LOCKED15, and get 15% off your order. Use promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at Built.com. Still waiting for the decision in that Raiders game. They're in overtime, so I have no idea if I'm going to win that $5. It would be a shame for Rick Hahn and I both to lose our bets. So, that stink. Thank you for making Lockdown White Sox your first listen each and every day. We're free and available on all platforms. This is Lockdown Sox. We're continuing Monday's mailbag, and we're going to go to the email. You can write in at LockdownSox at gmail.com, and Dan from the 219 wrote me up. Said, hey, Sean, you're doing a great job with the podcast. Thank you, Dan. Here's a hypothetical situation I'd love your take on. Say the Sox have 5 to $10 million left to spend on a self-imposed cap to fill out the roster after the lockout. 
That includes any room for midseason acquisitions. How would you go about finishing the roster? Perhaps a trade to free up a little space? Thanks. Go Sox. Thank you, Dan, for writing in. We really do appreciate it. Again, LockedOnSox at gmail.com is where you can write in. You could call in at 312-566-8727. Now, Dan, it, it's a tough question because 5-10 to 10 for just the entire season is tough. That is a very, 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 very small budget. And just to put into perspective, the White Sox currently spend a little over $169.5 million dollars on salary. So if we did, and I would use all of that $10 million that Dan's giving me. So if we do that, you know, we're basically looking at a salary max of $180 million. So that's our our cap right there is $180 million. I will not try to go over $180 million. So my first move would be to trade Dallas Keuchel. And I don't want to get too into the weeds on the lockout and the CBT, but to put it plainly, there have been rumors that the players would like a spending floor for these teams to have to reach, right? You look at the MLB, and I brought up the statistic, I believe it was on Wednesday, that the Pittsburgh Pirates basically have their same opening day payroll as they did in 2004. Their 2004 payroll was around $35 million. Their current payroll is around $35 million. So I think players are looking for, especially those low, low teams, to start spending more. So I don't know what the the floor would be. I've heard $100 million thrown out as a floor. We're really not sure where this negotiation is going to end up. The lockout, you know, it's, it's all a mess. But my first move, if a CBT was instructed and there was a base level that teams had to reach, my first move would be to trade Dallas Keuchel. And I think that this specific plan only works if Keuchel is traded. Now, I tried to come up with deals that would work, but I have no idea how the opposite of a salary dump works, right? Usually when the White Sox, let's say the White Sox are trying to get rid of his $18 million contract because it's bad, usually they'd have to sweeten the deal. But if they're giving a different team money, who needs the money, do the White Sox get a sweetener? So I don't know how the dynamics of that play out, and I would love to just throw out a trade and throw out an idea and throw out a baseline, but I don't know what an actual Dallas Keuchel trade would look like if a CBT was included. But I have the White Sox trading Dallas Keuchel to the Royals for Taylor Clark. I only included Taylor Clark because he's cheap and he's a relief pitcher, and I think that he could be a nice arm to select from. They did just sign him this offseason, the Royals did, though, so I don't know if they'd be looking to move Taylor Clark, but they're trying to get to, let's say, again, $100 million base salary even acquiring Keiko only gets them to $90 million. And I would love to see the White Sox hit off of Dallas Keuchel. Watching the White Sox hit against Dallas Keuchel, it's like J.A. Happ. It's like J.A. Happ, but him on the Royals instead of the Twins. I'd be very excited to see that. My next move, and shout out to Mark, would be trade Craig Kimbrell. i trade him to Philadelphia. I think they can get prospects back. I'm pretty set on them not getting a second baseman. I don't think that it's going to happen. I think they should also clear up the cap space. I don't think that there is a second baseman that is in the free agent pool right now that you need to go out and sign. I think if you're going to acquire a second baseman, it will need to be through trades. And I think that trade will honestly, if it happens, it'll happen again at the trade deadline. I think they're going to rock with Leary for a bit. 
And again, with prospects, I have no idea who the White Sox could get. I've seen Mickey Moniak out there. I've seen, I know that at the deadline, the Phillies were able or willing to part with their number one prospect for Kimbrell. But again, that's a different team, different timeline. I don't think the White Sox could get that. I think they could probably get somewhere, you know, two prospects in the 9 to 20 range. I think you could probably pick two of the guys in there and they could be sent over a Kimbrel deal. Don't know exactly which ones, but I don't think it's far-fetched. Then my third move would be to sign Colin McHugh, a relief pitcher. who's just with the Rays, Naperville guy. I'm really into him. Uh, a starter, turn reliever. His stuff is disgusting. He, he has truly turned into a dominant reliever. Uh, his numbers compare similarly to Ryan Tapera uh, from last year, and I think that he would be a perfect signing. I'm, I'm into him more than Tapera, too. I think that he's got more longevity. I really like the fact that he has the ability to go longer, too. Uh, he can go two innings if you need him to. I'm really excited and intrigued about Colin McHugh. So I think they could sign him two years, $16 million. They just got Graveman for eight per. I think that they can get McHugh for eight per. So it's about the going rate of one of those mid tier relievers. And we talked about that with Jordan Lazowski uh, this past Friday. My next move would be to re-sign Carlos Rodon. And this is a tough contract to figure out, but I'm just going to give him the qualifying offer plus incentives. Been having this conversation with Mike Rankin seemingly the entire offseason about what they're going to do with Carlos Rodon and that whole situation. I was really shocked that they didn't offer him a qualifying offer, especially because if he declined it, the White Sox would have been able to pick up draft picks in that process. So I'm trying to figure out what Carlos is really waiting for. And now with the lockout, I really don't like the way his timetable looks. He's going to have a very short time to try to sell people that he is healthy and ready to go and can accept a multi-year deal. I don't think teams want to give him a multi-year deal. Scott Boris has said that Carlos is looking for a multi-year deal. I really just get the feeling that it's going to play out exactly like it did last year, except Carlos Rodon getting, you know, around $3 million. He'll get 18.4. I think they will just re-offer the qualifying offer to him, and I think that they will include incentives. So my fourth move would be to sign Carlos Rodon one year, $18.4 million, plus incentives. You know, if he finishes top five in Cy Young, top five in strikeouts, top five in ERA, whatever, you know, we could send more money. You can look at the Corey Kluber deal. He signed for one year, $8 million with the Rays. Incentives can take that all the way up to 13. Then finally, the final move, and I've talked about this before, would be to sign Kyle Schwarber. The issue is I think that his value might be pushing up against the budget here. After the trades of Keuchel and Kimbrell, the payroll salary went from $169.6 $169.6 million to $135.6 million. So we were dealing with about $44.3 million to play there. After we signed Colin McHugh, that went down to $36.3. And after the Rodon signing, went down to $17.9. So Dan's question here is putting me up against some budget issues. Where will the money come from? Where, where will signing Kyle Schwarber, where will that money come from? Maybe it'll come from Bet Online. Bet Online wants to wish you a happy new betting year as they continue the march to the playoffs and beyond. Bet Online remains the number one spot for all the best sports wagering action in 2022. 
It's a new year, which means a new updated desktop and mobile website for Bet Online. Go to betonline.ag and sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code LOCKED ON to get started. From football, basketball, hockey, boxing, and UFC, right to your favorite Vegas casino games, don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for 2022. Bet Online is the fastest and easiest way to wager on all of your favorite sports. Again, their new updated desktop and mobile website is betonline.ag. You can go and sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Use promo code LOCKED ON to get started. Bet Online, where the game starts. That Raider game just went final, so hey, I just won $5. I'll be generous, and I'll put that towards Dan's budget here. So instead of playing with $17,966,667, we are now playing with $17,966,672. So that's some breathing room, and I'm, I'm happy to have it. And we're on my fifth move. And just to recap, we're talking about Dan's hypothetical here, where he's only giving us 5 to $10 million to fill out the White Sox lineup for the rest of the season. And just to recap, this is if the lockout includes a base salary for teams. If it doesn't, Dallas Keuchel stays on this team. But to recap, we're trading him to the Royals because, again, this hypothetical includes that base salary. So Dallas Keuchel goes to the Royals. We're trading Craig Kimbrell to the Phillies. That cleared up about $34 million in trading those two players alone. So then we're playing with about $44 million. My first move was to sign Colin McHugh, relief pitcher from the Rays. My next move was to re-sign Carlos Rodon, and that left us right now with a budget of, again, $17,966,672. And I was about to say that my fifth move would be to sign Kyle Schwarber. And I think that you can afford him because Avi Garcia just signed with the Marlins four years, $52 million. It's about 13.5. He was worth about 2.9 war. In 2021, Schwarber was worth about 3.1. He played in less games and was injured, but also he isn't that good in the field. Avi is serviceable in the field. So I think that you can sign Schwarber to maybe a two-year, $30 million deal worth 15 per. But my concern is that I only have $2.9 million to fill out the rest of the team. And that would mean likely bringing back Zach Collins and just promoting him and keeping him as the backup catcher. But I want to go out to the voicemail because there is a name that we could possibly sign with that $17 million. Maybe our fifth move isn't to bring in Kyle Schwarber. Let's listen to Alex, and maybe he's got a name for us to sign with that $17 million. Maybe we go away from Schwarber, try to fill out this roster a little bit more. Here's Alex. What's up, Sean? It is Alex from Bolingbrook calling in again. And I've been having a thought today about right field. Well, we've been wanting a left-handed, home-run-hitting right fielder the team, and everyone immediately defaults to Conforto. But for some reason, I've had this name stuck in my head recently. I wanted to get your thoughts on How would you feel about Eddie Rosario being our right fielder? Now, I know he's a career left fielder, but he has played in his career left field, or right field, I'm sorry, and center field. So I think a full off season of learning right field it wouldn't be that difficult for him. I mean, we managed to get a platoon of two full-time first baseman to make a pretty decent right field. So 
I see no reason why you can't take a left fielder and plug him in right. Seems like a smart move. Like, it seems like a safer version of Michael Conforto. Like, it seems like it would be a safer bet, whereas we don't really know what Conforto is going to do this year because of how bad of a year he had this past season, whereas Rosario's more of a known commodity, if that makes sense. I don't know. This is something I've been thinking about. Personally, I want Castellanos in right, but there's about as much chance of that happening as there is of the Sox trading for Jose Altuve. <laughs> but anyway, I'm, I'm curious what you think about Eddie Rosario as the everyday right fielder for the 2022 White Sox. It's just a name that's kind of stuck in my head. Convince me otherwise. I don't know if I want to convince you otherwise. I like Eddie Rosario. If anyone knows, Eddie Rosario at MLB The Show is OP. I mean, I'm talking Eddie Rosario is Bo Jackson, Tecmo Bowl levels of OP. So if I'm signing MLB The Show version of Rosario, I'm down. But as a career 108, shout out to the 108, 108 OPS guy, you know, he's okay. He's, he's not a, a bad fielder, but he's pretty average. And I think the biggest concern I'd have for Rosario in right field is his arm. I don't know enough about him and, and his career progression, but looking at baseball savant, I just don't think he had the arm to play right or center field. And he struggled a lot in 2019 in left field for the Twins. So I I like him. I really do. And he'd be cheap. I mean, I'd be saving you know, about $5 million. I think that you could sign Eddie Rosario for a one-year $10 million deal and compare that to Schwarber, who would be worth 15 per. You, know, you save $5 million. I just don't know where I'd put that $7 million. And maybe you save that and try to get a backup catcher or you try to upgrade second base at the trade deadline. But... It's tough because there's just not a lot of names that are out there. Um, hey, hey there. Uh, uh, hello. Excuse I, me. I'm, yeah. I'm not. Who are I you? I haven't called in a while. Big fan oh. of the podcast. It's, well, I'll just come right on and say it. It's Jake Lamb. Whoa. Yeah, I'm Jake Lamb. I guess the new host, uh, your name's Sean. Yeah. I'm just starting to catch up. I had I took some time off. Okay. Did a lot of spa stuff. And, well, you don't care. You guys don't care about that. that but, sounds uh, nice. Anywho, I just try to catch up on, on recent episodes. Sean, you're, you're doing okay. I think you got what it takes. Um, the real reason for my call, I, it's Jake Lamb, by the way. Jake Lamb calling. Uh, former White Sox. Um, recently, you did a you did a little segment, Sean. I did. Uh, right fielders. Oh yeah. Right fielders for the for the White Sox and. Well, I'm not gonna lie. Uh, I was a little disappointed in you. I mean, uh, you didn't even you know you, you get you got five minutes, pal. It's not a lot of time. It was less than a year ago. It was 177. I, I played some quality years. minutes in right field innings. I had some crucial home runs, and I I guess I'm yesterday's news to Sean. I mean, other Amazing. obvious omissions. I mean. Ivan Calderon, I mean, come on. Are you a real White Sox fan, Sean? <laughs> Maybe you're just, you know, you're, you know, you're kind of a greenhorn, you know? I love the deadliest catch. I mean, who could forget, you know, Mike Hirschberger, you know, <laughs> in the 60s, you know? Where, uh, well, well, crap. What about Kathy Wright? He had two spins. Kathy, everybody remembers Kathy Wright. Two spins in the 40s. It's true. 40 and 42. 46 to 48. Everybody, everybody remembers Kathy. 
I guess Sean doesn't. Nemo, Liebold. I mean, the list goes on and on. On Bill Bill Barrett in the the 20s. I mean, I guess just do your homework, Sean. You seem like you're a good kid. And uh, I'm starting to get reacclimated to the pod, and hopefully uh, this is going to work out. But anyway, keep up the good work, I guess. Do your homework and... This is, I just want to be clear, it's, this is Jake Lamb. Oh, okay. All right, guys, that was Jake Lamb, and I think there, there was a name that I forgot. So we're going to give, we're going to, honestly, we're going to go with Alex. We're going to give $10 million to Eddie Rosario, and then we're going to give the rest, the 7.9, to Jake Lamb. We're going to bring him back. I missed those phone calls. I'm so glad to hear Jake Lamb's voice, and, you know, I need to do my homework. I was never good at it in school. I always waited till the last minute. Maybe I copied every now and then. Homework wasn't my favorite. So, you know, I'll, I'll try to read up on, on the legends like Taffy Wright and Yvonne Calderon. Probably have to talk to Dan Bernstein about the Yvonne Calderon thing. But that's going to wrap it up for Lockdown Socks. I know I kind of didn't finish Dan's question, but it's because I want to throw it out to you. I have a lot of questions. I said this at the start of the show. A lot of people wrote in. So I am gonna, I'm gonna, we're going to do a What Up Wednesday. And if you want to get your answer in, I would love to know. If you had... $18 million, and you could either sign Kyle Schwarber for $15 million or Eddie Rosario for $10 million, which one would you do, and what would you do with the remaining cap? I think if we make those trades that I threw out there, trading Keuchel, trading Kimbrell, and bringing in McHugh and Rodon, it would leave the White Sox with two open roster spots left. So you could fill it with Schwarber and a different player, with about you know $2.9 million left. Or you can pick Rosario and play with that $7.9 million. That's going to do it, though, for Locked on Socks. Again, thank you for making Locked on Socks your first listen each and every day. You can participate in the next episode on Wednesday. It's What Up Wednesday by calling in at 312-566-8727. Or you can write in at LockedOnSocks at gmail.com. Now go make your second listen, Locked on Bets, your daily one-stop shop for all your gambling needs. Locked on Bets, hosted by your boy Q, with expert analysis and insight from Lee Sterling. It's free and available on all platforms. I'll talk to you tomorrow on Locked on Socks.